If you're really honest with yourself, I mean, really, really honest, and maybe you don't have to be too honest about this question anyway, but are there any of you out there that you've been, you've been going through the Christian faith and you feel empty? I mean, you feel like there's got to be more. Now, I know sometimes we go through these uh, times in our lives where bad things are happening and, and it's really hard, but I, I'll tell you for myself, those times are some of the times I feel closest to God. But there's other times, and I know a preacher's probably not supposed to disclose this information, but there's other times in my life when nothing bad is happening, things, things are really okay, but I feel empty. I mean, I don't feel like there's that connection, that, that things are just really hard. And, and I think, maybe just like you guys think, that guy down there, he's supposed to do something about it. He's supposed to give me a three-point uh, lesson, and I'm going to follow those three points, or someone will give me a book, and they say, you just need to do this, and that everything's going to be okay. And I've done that, and things were worse. Things were harder, and I felt even more empty. And so the sermon today, what I'm trying to get out today, is that maybe, 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 maybe we're looking at it all wrong. Maybe there's something more what's going on. And here's my little disclaimer. This is me setting myself up for failure right now, okay? This sermon I'm going to preach is probably the most important sermon that I've ever preached or ever will preach. So with that said, you're all on pins and needles now, right? Hopefully you are, because like I said, I, I don't want myself to go the way. This has got to be from God. So I'm going to pray, and hopefully you'll use me, and here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that I can say what needs to be said here, and that you will use me to get your point across of what the Christian life is all about. So, Lord, change our lives, and I ask that we will know you better. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Regardless of who you are, regardless of whether or not you've been a Christian for many years, or you're a brand new Christian, or maybe you're out there and you're thinking, I don't know if I even really want to be a Christian. This message is so basic that it's something we need to understand. If we've been a Christian a long time, it's something we always need to go back to. I know that I myself need to. So we're going to talk about this passage where Jesus and his disciples are having this discourse, and basically this is what's going on down. Philip says to Jesus, hey, Philip, I mean, Jesus, would you please show me the Father? And what he's really asking, he's saying, Jesus, I want you to show me something amazing because I feel kind of empty. And I need something more. I need to know for sure. I need to be fulfilled. And if you just showed me something amazing, I'd get it. Now, the funny thing about that is that Philip had been around Jesus, and so chances are he had seen miracles, right? There's a good chance that he didn't perform miracles himself. So why is he asking this question? It's because he knows there's got to be something more. And Jesus responds, and he says, Philip, through me, right now, you can know the Father. This message was for Philip, but it's also for you and me if we're living those empty lives. So John 14, 5 through 15 says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We'll read that one more time. Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know me, and you've seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father that that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, 
Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. The more urbanized our society gets, the more technology we get, the more we long for the personal. I don't know if any of you have experienced this before, but the trend experts, and they've been using this word for years, but they'll, they call it the more high-tech we get, the more high-touch we need. And high-touch is just that fancy word for the world we live in. The more alienated we become because of our computers and because of our houses that we lock ourselves into and because of our phones and our cell phones and our text messages and all this stuff we have to communicate with people, it has actually alienated ourselves from actual person-to-person contact. And we all kind of get that, right? And so we live in a society where the more of this, the more we also yearn for the personal. Now, you probably completely understand this if any of you have ever argued with a computer. Anyone? Ever had that fight with the computer or an automated service? This happened to me this week. I was trying to pay off a credit card bill. I'm doing something good. Last week, I actually thought I'd paid it off. I called the service, and they said, you know, this was your payoff amount, so I I got it in that day. I get a bill for 12 cents. 12 cents. And because I don't want a $35 late fee, I want to pay that 12 cents. So I get on the Internet. I go up and, I, and I, I try to pay the 12 cents and the internet tells me, you cannot pay 12 cents. So I call the phone and of course I go through all the messages. And the phone, I, I, I put in all my information, routing numbers and all that stuff, and, I, and it says put in the amount, I put in 12 cents. And it says, you can't do this, sorry, and it abruptly just hangs up on me. And at this point I'm like, I need to talk to a person, you got it. I, I don't want to feel like a, you know, a machine, I'm a person, I, I need to I need to talk to someone, so I call someone. And the funny thing is, after like 25 minutes later, the guy didn't even know how to pay off 12 cents. He finally just said, don't worry about it. We've taken it all care. We've taken care of it. You want to close your card? We, we did all that. So if you understand, and it, obviously you do, if you understand what it's like to fight with that computer, and you understand when the automated service gets it wrong, and they say, we didn't receive your payment, we didn't receive your payment, we didn't get your application, you understand that we want to be treated like a person. We want to be treated like people. And it only makes it worse that the society we live in, the neighbors back in the day, if you moved to a home, the neighbors you had were probably going to be your neighbors for the rest of your life, right? Today, that's not the case. We move around. The company that you started work in was probably going to be the company that you were going to retire at. That's no longer the case. And because of this, we have a tendency that we begin to use one another. We will use the company to get ahead and to further our career. And the company's not off the hook either because the company, what do they do? They use us to do a job for as long as we're willing to do it and either when our productivity goes down or we decide we don't want to do this anymore, what do we do? We jump ship or they get rid of us, they fire us. And we begin to feel more like objects 
than we do subjects. We get, begin to feel more like a thing than we feel like an actual person. And we end up with these empty lives. And the Bible tells us throughout, and especially here, that the solution to this problem is the gospel. It's the good news. It's the essence of Christianity. And this is what it is. The essence of Christianity is a personal knowing of God. That's our priority. That's what we have to cling to. That is the thing we have to strive for. And if you look at all the great prayers of the Bible, the great prayers of the Bible are not about joy or for personal power, blessing, or success. In other words, the great prayers of the Bible, they're not like my prayers. They're probably not like your prayers. Because what do we pray a lot about? Prayers we shoot up are about, you know, please do this for me, God. Please bless me, God. Please make me more comfortable, God. Those aren't the subjects of the great prayers of the Bible. The subject of the great prayers of the Bible are for what? They're for personal knowing of God. Ephesians 1.18, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, may know the hope of which he has called you. Ephesians 3.17, he says, And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how, wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love for Christ and to know that love that surpasses knowledge and you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. See, the Bible says that we are obsessed with our needs, our problems, our intellectual questions. We are obsessed with knowing ourselves. And the real problem we have, the real problem, the reason that we are empty is because we don't know God personally. Personal knowing is everything, and that's what Christianity is all about. In fact, that's probably the problem, the biggest problem that everybody has with Christianity. And this passage teaches us three things. Number one, that knowing the Father, it's the hub that is the central idea. Number two is knowing the Father, it can be troubling. This personal relationship can be hard, and it causes all sorts of problems that we have in our lives. Um, and I'll get to that, and I'll explain that a little later. And then, the big question, how do I know if I really know the Father? So number one, here's our big point. Knowing the Father is the hub. Knowing the Father is the central idea. And this idea obviously is really simple, but it is extremely important. In this passage, we read Jesus saying, Philip, have I been with you for so long? Have I been there? You've been around me. See, what Jesus is saying is that it is possible. It's not just possible, but it is very, 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 very normal. To know everything that Jesus has ever taught, to be extremely involved in Christian activities, to be feeding the hungry, to be healing the sick, and to miss the point. See, Philip, he was on the inside. He was in the inner circle. He knew Christ. He was devoted to Christ. He was busy with Christ. He was doing all the things that Jesus asked him to do. But Jesus says to him, it's possible to be busy in all the Christian life to be full of all of my knowledge and the zeal and not know Jesus Christ personally. See, what he's doing, this is pretty amazing. Jesus is saying there's a difference between informational knowing and personal knowing. And we all get this in all of our other personal relationships. We all understand this because if you want to, to be friends with something, what's the first thing you do? You sit down with one another, and there's a whole lot of information that's passed between you, right? You say, hey, how's it going? My name is this. Your name is this. Where do you live? What do you do? You know, how many kids do you have? Lots and lots and lots and lots of information. Who's your favorite sports team? Whatever it is. But there comes a point. There comes a point 
when you reach beyond all of that stuff. And you start asking questions like, what makes you tick? What do you love? Why do you act the way you do? What do you believe about this? And if there's eventually mutual understanding, each of you reciprocate with honesty and with commitment. You become friends. You can get up and you say, you know what? Now I don't just know about you, but I really know you. I know you personally. You've moved from the informational to the personal. Now, just a real quick, quick tangent. We get the fact that you have to, if you have informational knowledge, you don't necessarily have to have personal knowledge, right? You can get to know people. You can know all about someone, especially in today's society. You can read their Facebook page. You can stalk them that way. You can, you can know everything about them, but you really don't know who they are, right? Okay. The flip side of that, though, you can never have personal knowledge without having informational knowledge. If you really, truly want to know someone, you also have to know about them. Does that make sense? That is why next week we're going to start this series called The Story. That's why this church, we, we, we encourage you, I want to beg and plead with you to read your Bible because you will never have a personal relationship with Christ without knowing about him first. Does that all make sense? Now, the whole point of what I'm trying to get at is we really want both. Okay, we want both. So you can have informational without personal, but you cannot have personal without informational. Bottom line is John 17, 3. Now, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. What Jesus is saying is it's not just the point of life to know God, but it is the definition of life to have a personal relationship with him. It's what we were built for. It is what we were designed for. Even in the Old Testament, it talks about this in Jeremiah 9.23. This is what the Lord says. Let, us, let not the wise boast in their wisdom or the strong boast in their strength or the rich boast in their riches, but the one who boasts should boast about this, that they have an understanding to know me. Imagine if you were the smartest person in the world, every university wanted you on their staff, every government wanted you on their think tank so that you could advise them in their decisions. Or imagine if you were a national treasure and that you were the most amazing athlete in the world and, and they cherished you, your country cherished you, or that you were the heir of $5 billion. How would that change your life? Would that give you satisfaction? And I'm here to say that Jeremiah and myself, no. Because the biggest thrill in this life, if you're a Christian, well, I would say even if you're not a Christian, the biggest thrill in this life is first and foremost knowing God. And the Bible dares anyone to disprove that. And anyone that has tried their hand at both of these things will always say God is right. But we miss the point. Because so many times, if you were to go out and kind of have a little poll with people and say, what? why did Jesus come? Some would say, he came to show us how to live. Or others would say, he came to die for us so that our sins would be forgiven. And you know what? Those things are true. But if you ask Jesus why he came, he would show that those answers have missed the point. People say, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is a person who worships God. They acknowledge God in all their life. Someone who tries to live for, on this higher plane. Someone who goes to God when they have trouble, someone who gets inspiration from the word of God. 
You know, those aren't bad things. But Jesus would say to you, you have missed the point entirely. Jesus said, I came, I died, I was resurrected, I've gone through the heavens, I'm seated at the right hand of God, and I did all of this so that you could know the Father. That you could know him personally. Christianity is ultimately about a personal relationship with God. And this leads us to our second point, is that that can be troubling. Because that can change who we are. I think so many times that it's so much easier to make Jesus an ideal. Because if he's not a person, then you know what, I can think about it, I can look at it as a philosophy, but I don't really have to change. Because personal relationships, they change us, don't they? Instead, we want to ask Jesus questions. We want to we have our needs met. And we'll say, you know what, God, I've got all these questions, and I don't really want to come to you until I have all my questions met. Or, you know what, God, this is just so demanding, and I'm struggling with that. Or, the big one I hear a lot, I don't like Christianity, and Jesus, I don't like you because you're so exclusive. But I would say the real problem is that Christianity is so personal. And that bugs us, and it bugs us so much. Because that's the essence of his teaching, and it is the hub. And that precedes anything else that we're supposed to do. Who do you think Jesus is? That is the question you have to answer. What are you going to make of Jesus? Will you have a personal relationship with him? And the New Testament will not speak to you about anything else until you answer that question. It's not going to speak to you about how you're going to live your life or your answer your intellectual questions or how you're going to get your personal needs met. It continually will say, first things first, what are you going to say about Jesus Christ and how are you going to treat him? And this bugs us because we have got questions. Questions like, you know what, I really want to be a Christian, but... Why does God allow so much evil in the world? Or why did this happen in my life? All these bad things are happening in my life, in my family's life. And, and it just, God, why is this happening? If you were really God, why would you allow that stuff? Or what about those people that have never heard about Christ? What are we going to do about them? What's Christianity going to do about my politics? How do you turn the other cheek? That makes no sense. God, please answer all these questions. But the New Testament is so focused if you read through the New Testament, it'll say none of those questions will be answered until you first decide what are you going to do with Jesus Christ. Are you going to have a personal relationship with him? Do you accept that he is the son of God, the high king of heaven? And if you do, have you been willing to move from the informational to the personal? Have you been willing to say, Jesus, you have got to be the central person in my life? And the Bible says until you decide whether or not what Jesus says about himself is right or not, until you have that personal connection, none of these other, other questions are really going to matter. And we say, but I still have them. I still have these intellectual questions. And here's the key, guys. If the Bible were primarily a philosophy, we could go to those questions first. But it's not. And you might say, well, I, I still have needs. And I'm here to say, if the Bible were primarily a therapy, we could go to the Bible first. But it's not. It's a personal relationship. And we understand this with every other interaction we have with people. So why don't we understand that with God? In our marriages, there is a whole lot of business that goes on in a marriage, right? 
a whole lot of these bills need to be paid, this person needs to go here, the car needs to be fixed, the house needs to be cleaned. But what happens, and chances are this has happened in your marriage, your wife, your husband, usually it's probably the wife, she'll come up and say, you know what, I know we have all this stuff to do. But something's not right. Something's not right in our relationship, and our relationship needs to be fixed. And all that other stuff, how important is it then? It's not. It's because the personal comes first, and we understand that in every one of our other relationships. So why don't we understand that with God? The Bible has stuff to tell us about society, about philosophy, about psychology. It has answers for our questions. But Christianity is first and primarily about coming to a personal relationship with him. And you might ask, okay, Brian, okay, you've hit this hard. I get that. But he's still, he's not here. I mean, he's not a physical person that I can see. And so that can be troubling. That can be hard. And this is what I would suggest for you to do. I would suggest that you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and just try to read them in as fast as you can to get an idea of his tenderness, to get an idea of his strength, to get an idea of who Jesus really is because I think sometimes we get in this habit of just picking apart Scripture and then we reflect on it instead of just trying to get to know the person. And then after you've done that, second thing I'd say is pray to God. Be honest with Jesus. And go to him and say, Jesus, you know what? I'm struggling with this whole idea of you being a person that I can talk to, a person that I can have a relationship with. Of course he's God. But he came here to earth as a person for a reason. And and if he truly is who he says he is and who I believe he is, he'll answer you because there is never a relationship that does not have full disclosure. There's never a relationship that does not have honesty. And God is asking you to be that with him. And this is one of the other problems. If you get in a personal relationship, you lose a little bit of control, don't you? Maybe a lot of control. And we don't like to lose that control. We don't like to look silly. They might ask us to do things that we don't really like. In Christian faith, it might be, you know, I I don't want to go help those poor people. I don't want to be baptized. I don't want to, you know, change how I am. But we change for other people. And why would it be any different from Jesus Christ? Why does he ask all these tough things? Why why is Jesus so exclusive? Why does he say that he is the only way, that he is the truth, that he is the life? It's because it's a personal relationship. People really hate that too, don't they? They hate the fact that he has to be the only way the only truth, the only life, that he has to be number one. And why does he say that? Well, it's because he's a person. Because Christianity is first and foremost a personal relationship. And anyone in this room knows that if you're in a relationship, that that's the way it is. That if you're in a relationship, that you will lose control over your life, that you will lose freedom in your life so that you can be closer to that person. We all get that, right? I know people that when I was younger, they say, I never want to get married because I don't want to lose my independence. I don't want to lose my freedom. But I'm here to tell you, if that was the way you were thinking, you're going to have to avoid a whole lot more than just marriage. Okay, let's take the marriage out of the illustration. Let's just talk about friends. If you had a really, really, really good friend, and they came up to you, and they call you up tomorrow, and they say, hey, Brian, um, I'm leaving tomorrow 
I'm moving away from St. Louis, uh, and I just wanted to say goodbye. Now, how would you feel if you considered this person a really good friend? You'd probably be a little upset because, number one, they didn't tell you. Number two is that you would have loved to talk to them about why they're moving or counsel them as what maybe you could help or even at least help them pack. See, we lose control when we get into relationships with another person. And the deeper you have a relationship with someone, the less freedom you have to act independently. Do we all understand that? The deeper you are with someone, the less freedom you have to act independently. C.S. Lewis has a great quote that says, if you don't want your heart to be broken, give it to nobody. But then it will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. Yeah, sure, you can live that. I, I want to live free, and I want to live independently, but what's going to happen? Eventually, you're going to lose control of your life anyway because your heart is going to become so hard. You know that there is no way to get into a relationship with someone here on earth without losing some of your freedom to them. You know that, right? We all understand that. So why does it surprise you that to get into a relationship with the great person that has ever lived on this earth, the, guy, the, the God of heaven coming down into flesh, why would it surprise you that it would be any different to have a relationship with him? And that's why Jesus Christ can say, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. There are no in-betweens. And I want to just hit on this one more time because it is so important. How can Jesus say, I am the only way? Because we all know, heard stories that, you know, the really good Buddhist, he's a really good guy, or that person that has no religious affiliation at all. And they would give you the shirt off their back. They're extremely nice people. They are they're very charitable. They will, they will do everything in the world for you. What about those people? You know, surely, surely God would you know, say something to them. Well, if Christianity is first and foremost about a, a personal relationship, it changes, doesn't it? Because if you were to go up to someone and say, hey, you know what, I think you're awesome. Let's hang out sometime. I'd like to get to know you. I'd like us to become, go from information to personal. And they say, great, that sounds amazing. Let's go hang out for coffee sometime. And you say, no, 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 no. We're going to do it right here. We're going to do it right now. What's going to happen to that relationship? So you get into relationships from the inside out. And in fact, what we'd be doing, we'd just be using it. Okay, these guys have not made a, an appearance for quite some time, and they've not come to the movie theater, but I'm going to do one more illustration. We have an amazing athlete. This guy, his dress, you know, you, you wouldn't expect he was such a great athlete, but amazing athlete. He's, he's great. You know, look at his muscles, and there he goes. And uh, all the girls that he's ever met, they have swooned over him. But he sees this little lady, and he falls deeply in love with her. She's scratching her nose. And, and, and he says, you know what? I would love to get to know you because I could see this going somewhere. And she says, that sounds amazing. You're cute. I'd like to get to know you, too. And he says, well, hey, you know, I'm a great athlete. And she says, well, I don't really know the difference between a hole-in-one or a touchdown. But I really like, I'm losing my accent here, sorry. I, I really like, I'll just say it this way, I really like literature. She loves literature. 
that's what she, she desires, and that's what she gets into. Now, would he say, you know, baby, that's great, but you need to appreciate me for who I am. So here's some literature. Here's a book about football. You read that, and then you appreciate me for who I am. Now, we all get it. We laugh, and it can be a little funny, but we all understand that's not how a relationship works, does it? That's not how, he's not, relationships work from the inside out. They open up when you open up your heart to the person and you trust them. And that's what God did with us with Jesus Christ. Do we get it? And that's why he says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. Because the first and foremost important thing is that we have a relationship with him. And Christianity says, you find God through the Son. It's a relationship. And that's why Jesus Christ can say, I'm the way of the Father. If this seems exclusive, consider that every human being on earth is this way. So why would any other relationship be any different? And this leads me to my last point. How do I know if I know? How do I know if I know the Father? Well, the key is seeing. Philip asked, hey, show me the Father, show me the Father. And I've always thought, well, you know, sure, it'd be easy for Philip because, you know, he can see Jesus right there. But that's not the word Jesus used in the Greek. The word when Jesus says, when you have seen me, what he's really saying is that when, some, when you're doing a math problem or someone, you have an issue or something, and they say, hey, here's the answer, and you say, oh, I see. Oh, I see. What Jesus is saying is, do you understand? Do you get it? And I've dealt with people, I've been in ministry for quite some time now, and I'm, it's making me feel older and older and older, but <laughs> I have seen kids, I've seen adults, I've seen people that have been in church for, for as long as they can be in church. They were raised in church, they knew all the right answers, they did all the right things, they worked in the nursery, they worked, you know, they did communion meditations, they did all this stuff, and they heard about the Christ, and they've heard about Jesus, sermon after sermon after sermon, and then one day, they hear a message, and it sinks in, and they go, oh, I see, I see, and it changes their life, and they go from informational into personal, and that's what I ask of you guys today. Let's go from the informational, let's go into the personal, let's have that relationship. That's what changes our lives. That's when the questions will be answered. Do you know God? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Can you talk to God like a friend? Can you see God? Can you see Jesus as a person that you can have a relationship with? That's the key. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that sometimes this can be hard. I know that I struggle with it sometimes, and I need to be, keep being brought back that you are a person that I have to have a relationship with and that I, I've lost freedoms and I've lost my ability to act independently because I love you so much. And because I'm in a relationship with you, it's going to be the biggest thrill of this life, but on the other hand, I have to live for you. And I have to think of you first. And if there are people out there that are struggling with this, God, I ask that you make yourself personal to them as well. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.